Praise God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for healing. Thank you for healing Ms. Nola right now. Father, I thank your sinuses are healed. None of the diseases will you put on us that you put on the Egyptians. You're the Lord that heals us. We get healed. Anybody who doesn't want healing gets sick, but we get healed. Because we're your people and we have a no-fail covenant. We have a healing guarantee with you. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Praise God. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. They all opened up, Miss Noel. You're spinning. <laughs> let me let me just stand behind her again, Miss Vicky. Come on, stand up, honey. Thank you, Lord. All right, Lord. So I thank you. Release her in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And amen again. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. So we have a covenant of no disease. (laughs) A disease-free covenant. Amen. So you can have anything in that covenant because there's no disease in there. You can't have sickness in the covenant you have with God because there's none in there. Okay? That's not promised to us. What's promised to us is health. Amen? Wholeness, soundness in every way. The shalom of God, nothing missing, nothing broken, everything accounted for, everything intact, everything operational to the maximum of its operation, 2020 vision, perfect hearing, all of those things, but a fixed heart, amen. Everything that we need is in great operational working order and uh, renewing in our youth and renewing our strength. Amen. Everything is renewed because God said so. Amen. <laughs> he doesn't have to have a reason. Amen. He just says stuff. Amen. And it shows up. So we're thankful uh, to God for that. So we're going to uh, study a little bit on the covenant and, and uh, get a, a fresh understanding of what to expect uh, from God. In Exodus 15, if you'll turn there, and verse, starting in verse 22, this is the story of, of God bringing them out of Egypt. And, and when you come out of sin and come out of the world, you know, Egypt, we, we relate it to the world that we came from. Everybody who's in God's kingdom now came from the world. There's nobody that just popped up in heaven we we come through through Egypt or through the world and in Egypt uh the the israelites had picked up certain habits lifestyles they lived among a heathen people and so when you live among a heathen people you pick up some of their knowledge their understanding their likes their dislikes their fears their concerns and so each uh israel comes into their promised land with some of the the issues of Egypt on them and and i i think it's fitting that the first things that they were confronted with were things that were essential to life amen the first one was water 
And the second one was food. And so if you think about it, God makes provision for his people the day you're born again. You don't have to sow anything. You don't have to uh, uh, give anything. God provides. Amen. He provides basic things like health, uh, 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 sustenance. Those are provided. And so we need to take God by faith that I'll never be hungry, I'll never be without a roof over my head, and I'll never be thirsty. Amen. Amen. And and never be broke. Because he brought them forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. Amen. And so all of those things are provided by the, the blood shed on our behalf at Calvary. So when you get saved, you're taken care of. You don't have to sow seed. You don't have to. You understand there's a basic care that God takes of everybody. And I wish we could understand that. You know, just like when your kids are born in your household, they don't start. You don't say, well, Johnny, you get fed today if you take out the garbage. Because you know better. Amen. You know, and you don't even have the heart to say anything like that to a child that you're responsible for. So God's responsible for us. This is something we have to to get burned into us that that God is responsible for us. We're not responsible for ourselves. Now, granted, there are things he expects us to do as we grow and we learn. But we're not on a, uh, uh, you gotta buy into it system with God's covenant. Everything's provided for, folks. You gotta have develop your faith for the provision, basic provision of God. And after that, you begin to, to sow your efforts to, to get your own, your own, uh, desires met out of this basic covenant. So you got, God gives you basic food and shelter, so you want a nicer house. So you begin to seek God about that. And God, I'm, I'm, I want a nicer house. And he'll say, well, you got to start giving. You know, you, you, you start giving this amount and, and, you know, I'll start getting you in that position, you know, and, and, and be consistent with it. You know, don't start giving and then pull back. Just be consistent with, and God will be consistent with you. Go out and win some souls for me. And I'll begin to win souls in your household. You understand what I'm saying? So the laws of sowing and reaping do come into effect. But you got to understand God gives basic provision to all of his children. There's some basic things. I mean, you can pray with anybody. If they're not that if they don't have a home, God has a home waiting for them somewhere. They just need to get it in them that God has something for them and go out and expect it, go out looking for it, and act like he's got something for them. Amen? And so there's there's some just some things that we need to understand are given. They're not earned. Amen? They are given and not earned. In fact, everything in the covenant is given and not earned. There's some things that God will do for us because... We're mature enough to understand his, his covenant and his ways. Amen. There are some things that if I quit preaching, you know, I wouldn't even want to think about that. I don't even, my mind never goes there. It never goes to you do something else on Saturday and Sunday. It, it just, it, it, it's not that, 
there's nothing. I don't take back what I've given to God. And so once you you set up a, a lifestyle and you have a, a discipline and a system, God will will bless you on that. And then there are things that you can do to enhance that, kind of go overboard with that, do a little bit more so that, you know, and, and, and you can work out your own system with God. You know, and, and there's some things that I'm looking for and I, I have to sow seed for that, monetary seed. And I'll ask God, God, if you'll give me so-and-so and such-and-such, I'll send it to somebody and whoever you want me to and and because I'm looking for you to do more for me. Amen? That's just That just makes sense to me. You know, don't just keep asking him for stuff and you never give. You know, you never move off of where you are. Show him you mean what you say. And he will show you he means what he says too. Amen? And so these are the ways that we work in the laws of, of, of the kingdom, in the laws of sowing and reaping. You always want to sow, uh, into righteousness so that you can get righteous results in your life. You want the results of God in your life and so you always sow into those. That's just something that makes sense to all of us. Amen. And so when you, when you think about his covenant of healing, He's already taken disease away from us. So there's no decision as to whether or not he wants you well. Amen. You're already well if you'll accept it. Amen. Well is waiting for you. Healing is waiting for you. Health is waiting for you at the foot of the cross. Amen. That's where we, where we kneel down and express our worship to God and receive the blessing that comes, that flows from Calvary. So in Exodus chapter 15, God begins to test Israel to see if they will rely on him or if they'll, they'll resort to their own means of doing things. And that's the test we're all, that's before all of us. Do we really trust God or are we going to jump out there and try to do it ourselves again? And mess it up and then scream and cry and tell God, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have done it. Right. So, so he wants us to seek him for the, the answer and seek him for the things we need. So, so it says Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out to the wilderness of Shur. They were there three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now they took water with them. They weren't three days dying of thirst. But there were three days and their supply was running out. Amen. So they're not destitute with their tongues hanging out. You, you understand? So they're looking for water because they know they're going to need it. They've been three days on journey and haven't found it. They came to a, a, a spring called Mara, which means bitter. They could not drink the waters of Mara because they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people murmured against Moses saying, what are we going to drink? He cried unto the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree, which when he threw it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And there he proved them. Amen. So God tests us to see if we're going to trust him or not and see if we'll believe him for the provision or are we going to continue to complain and talk about what we don't have and talk about how bad it is? 
You know, when are we going to get our mouths in gear with what he's provided? That's what he's asking. And so God proved them. He showed them that they needed to trust him because he has an answer all the time. And that's what he wants to get across to us. Are we going to trust him because we may not see the answer? We may be dumbfounded. We may be out of ideas. We may be out of money. We may be out of everything. So are we going to trust him because he has a remedy? To, for God, it was as simple as telling Moses, go take that branch and throw it over in the water, and the water will be made sweet. Amen. He's got a branch for all of us. For every situation that we come into, when we put it into the situation, the situation will be corrected and we'll have our need met. So God never runs out. This is his mercy in operation. He never runs out of mercy. Even though Israel was disobedient and murmuring against him and murmuring against his servant. Amen. God brought us here. Bad confession. You brought us here to let us die. You're not going to take care of us. Here we are out in the middle. We should have stayed back where we were. Amen. And so it's very, very easy to wish you hadn't stepped out in faith. We'll say it again because that's all that's going on here. They wish they hadn't stepped out in faith. Amen. Don't ever regret what you do by faith. Amen. Because God will catch up with you on the road if you'll stay in faith. But if you start complaining and looking back and wanting the old days back again, they murmured when they were in Egypt. So these are just some murmuring people. Amen. But God is going to get the murmur out of all of us. Amen. He's going to teach us how to to live by the confession of our own mouths and how to walk in that that faith that he has for us. Amen. And so here he shows them, he proves them, he tests them to see what they're going to do. And trust me, he does that with us too. We all faith must be tested. Are we going to use the faith that he's given us to get our needs met every day? Or are we going to put our faith away? Sometimes we use our faith. Sometimes we do what we want to do. Sometimes we murmur and complain. Sometimes we you understand we'll get in the flesh, all that stuff. So are we going to use our faith continually to get our needs met? And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who walk by faith. Every step is a faith step. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Without faith, we don't live. We don't have life. And so if we're living by faith, faith has to be in operation all of the time. Amen? All of the time. There are some things that we can do uh, to show God our faith that, that, that we need to do in order to keep ourselves reminded that we're trusting God in certain things. Amen? And, and just continue to put those things out there. You know, uh, God, I'm, I'm believing you for, for so and so and such and such. And here's my confession into that. I worship you and I thank you for it. And I thank you, Lord, that I have it already. I have it now. Amen. And, and do it consistently. What you do consistently, God will honor. What you do every now and then will get every now and then results. Amen. So he can only, you can only reap what you sow. 
you sow consistency, you will reap consistently. Amen. So, so we, we need to understand that, that with salvation comes health, comes wealth, comes a whole package. None of these diseases, he brought them out with silver and gold. When they went into the Red Sea, they were wealthy and they were healthy. There was nobody feeble. There was nobody slipping and sliding on the bottom of the sea. There was nobody fearful. They all were were cloaked in a faith that took them across the Red Sea. When the miracle was over, they came back into their natural selves. And so God had to pull them back over into faith again at every step. Just like we do. When we when when we're in in the the atmosphere of worship, everything's wonderful. And then when you start thinking again, your mood goes down, you pick up the worries again, and you wonder, well, what happened to the the good? And see, we think it's just a feeling that we have, but it's a state that we live in. You just moved out of the kingdom atmosphere over into the natural man again. Amen? You don't have to do that. You can live in the kingdom atmosphere. Because God lives in you. You take him with you everywhere. Why don't you let him get loose and let him give, get active and see what he'll do? Amen? It's very easy to do. All you do is continue to thank him and worship him. In your mind, you can thank God. Your soul can magnify the Lord. And you can stay in a healthy state of mind, in the mind of Christ, and you'll be able to think the thoughts of God all the time. I know it's a scary thought, but we can really do this. Amen. So, so, and now we all do it. You come back into your natural, you pick up the worry, you pick up the concern, you pick up, uh, you pick up where you left off. Amen. You unpacked in bags again. But, but little by little, you begin to change that. You begin to think, I don't have to think like that. Now wait a minute, God. You already told me. You were going to do this, and you told me it's done already. Amen? You've given me permission to step out and receive what you have for me. So I receive it now, Lord, and look for an open door to to make it manifest. Amen? To make it real. And I think that's where we do our downfall. We can do a lot of confessing and a lot of talking, but when it comes to action, and really faith is an action. There's a corresponding action to everything that we desire from God. Amen. Some of the things that, that we, we do may seem totally unrelated to what, what God wants us to do, but He will employ us because we're, we're moving toward that already. Amen. I, it's, it's like when people, it seems like when people are working and, and things are going well, God will tap them on the shoulder and say, I want you to leave that job and come over and do this for me. Amen. The people who are sitting around waiting for God to make them a minister never get tapped on the shoulder. It's always the ones who are employed. Amen. It's easy to to slow down a runaway horse, but it's hard to beat a dead one back to life again, make him get up. Amen. So God's not into beating dead horses. He wants somebody who's got faith, got life, is active, wants to get going. He wants all of that. He wants our best. And so very often it's, it's when we're in a success mode 
in some place in our lives that God will, will pull us away and say, now I want you to go do this for me. I want you to go do that for me. Amen. And so, and that's typical of God. So he wants us when we are, are willing and obedient and full of faith and, and encouragement and energy, that's when he'll tap on our shoulder. Because he's the one who put that in us. I don't care if you're working a secular job. If you're doing any good at it, God is the one who's causing you to do that. And he wants to harness that that encouragement, that energy what, that you have going and putting it into the world. He wants to harness that for now it's time for him to reap those goods into his kingdom. And so he, he will do things like that. But he, he wants us. To have our faith in motion at all times. Let your faith be out there doing something. Let your faith be uh, nailing some things down and calling some things in. Uh, calling in supply that you need uh, for for the things that, that, that God has for you to do. Uh, David, when David wanted to build the temple uh, in Jerusalem so badly, he asked God about it and God told him, no, I don't want you to do that. And he told him, he said, you're a man of war. Amen. And in other words, your hands are trained to destruction. He said, your son Solomon is going to take your place and I'm going to have him do the building. Amen. And, and, but David, because he believed God, he laid up, he amassed a fortune for his son. To be able to build with. So Solomon didn't have to go do a whole lot of raising money and borrowing or anything. That stuff was already laid up for him. What he didn't have, he was able to, um, I, I always say, <laughs> get it on his charisma and his good looks. Because <laughs> people wanted to be in his presence because of his wisdom. And they, they sowed into that. Amen. They honored him and, and everything that he needed was right there. So Solomon really had an easier time with the building. Sometimes God wants us to build in an atmosphere of peace so that we're not, restoration sometimes comes in an atmosphere of war. But initial building will come in an atmosphere of peace. You know, you just, just, well, he wants you to enjoy it. Get all the best things that you want and all the wonderful things for him. He allowed Solomon to build his own house first. And then he built God's temple. So it wasn't like, see, there's something about when you're not at peace yourself, you can't really do a good job for somebody else. So what God was saying, Solomon, you get settled first. You do your thing first and get peaceful, get settled down, get your family settled in there. And then you can devote full time to building for me. I don't want you distracted when you build for me and wondering when you're going to have yours. Amen. And so, so God is, is very, very, um, uh, thoughtful like that. I remember when we first started the ministry and we were, we knew we had a watch to pray. We had some, had the prayers that we have now. Uh, they were set prayers. And so I would ask God, I said, well, God, I know people have things on their hearts. They want to pray. And he said, tell them to pray those first. He said, you don't have to, I don't have to wait for you to 
pray for me first. He said, get those out of the way. Pray for those, your personal needs first and get your peace about those things. And then you can take that peace into what I want you to do. Amen. And not be bugged in your mind about it. And so God understands us. He understands what we need and he makes full provision for everything that we need. So the Lord told them in Exodus 52, 26, he showed them a tree, told them to put the water, and he proved them. And he said, if you will diligently, now this is a statute and an ordinance. This is a law. Once God establishes a law, it cannot be violated. So once he established with Israel, now when they were first got out of Egypt and murmuring and complaining and carrying on, you know, like we do when we're new believers, remember those days? You would run into church and you had to tell everybody your problems all week long and get somebody to pray for you before anything else happened. Stop the world. I got to get my needs met. Amen. So you had that runoff at the mouth of everything wrong in your life, all of that. And that's what Israel did. They just ran off at the mouth of what was wrong and Moses ain't doing this right and he ain't doing that right and blah, blah, blah. And so he said... If you will diligently listen to my voice and do what's right in my sight, give ear to my commandments, keep all my rules, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I brought upon the Egyptians. I'm the Lord that heals you. So what if you break a rule? In the new covenant, we repent. In the old covenant, They made sacrifices and offerings. Amen. They just went to the priest and they confessed what they did and and they received atonement. You know, it was a temporary covering, but it worked. And so God had it after after he began to pull them into his his laws a little bit at a time. This one was important because it kept them healthy. If you stay healthy, you can make progress. If they had to stop for a bunch of sick people, they didn't make progress to the promised land. They were on the move somewhere. So God always makes provision for our health first first off the bat. Amen. That's why Calvary is a a total work. We were healed there as well as saved. Amen. Why people dismantle the cross, I don't understand. They'll teach salvation and tell you they're not sure about healing. Or they're not sure about this. Or now God does that when he wants to. Now if it's God's will, he'll do so and so and such and such. Well, is it God's will for you to be saved? Oh, yeah. But they fall short on the healing. Amen. They take things out of God's covenant instead of leaving it whole. Instead of leaving the cross in one piece so that we can receive everything from it, they take it apart. And so you can only have this in this denomination. You can only have this in this one. And some of them you can't have any of it. Amen. And so we, we, we need to understand God's thinking and his provision for us. And his provision is always righteousness. It, his condition is righteousness. We have to live in his righteousness and obey his laws. That's what he's saying there. He said, if you diligently hearken to my voice and do what's right, give ear to my commandments and keep them. Just keep my laws. Do what I tell you to do without fail. 
And when you fail, you come to me and, and I'll forgive you if you're repentant. Amen. It's just as simple. And so Israel had the same, uh, type of structure that we have now. See, we, ours is righteousness as well. If that's why James 5.14 says, if we've committed any sins, they're forgiven if we're sick. Amen. So sin's always tied to sickness. Amen. I know I feel better when I love people. I don't know about you, but I don't have a backache. I don't have an ache in my foot. I don't have a headache. I don't have no aches. But when I start thinking about stuff that people did wrong and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, you start exploding. And so, so it's, it's just a, 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 um, an established ordinance that righteousness will get you all the blessings of God's covenant. So he wants to us to be established in righteousness. And so he says, I am the Lord that heals you. He said, I'll put none of those diseases that you knew in Egypt. In other words, forget about that stuff. Forget about your past. Forget about your family history. None of that stuff is coming to you, amen, because you're walking with me. So when you begin to walk with God as as a saved, born-again, spirit-filled person or born-again, uh, doing the best that you know how to do, God's righteousness covers your health. So you have health no matter what. Now, when he said none of the diseases that you know from Egypt will I put on you, those were the things that they knew, but there were some things that were were would would come up that were new diseases. Amen. Sometimes it's like this Rona thing. You know, people people got thrown off kilter because of that because it was a new disease. Amen. Oh, I'm scared. Oh, they say it's killing people. Yada 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 yada. Amen. And so in Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight. In verse uh, uh, 60, uh, it says, if you disobey, now these, this is the curse for disobedience, amen? And it's all the diseases of Egypt, but it says in verse 61, it says, every sickness, also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, then will the Lord bring upon you if you are disobedient. But if you're obedient, even new diseases he won't allow you to get. Amen. So don't think because they don't have a cure for it. You're not looking for a cure anyway. You're looking for your covenant. Amen. That's the first thing you grab is the law of God. Because that's your protection. Psalm 91 is, is it's a real promise, folks. If you'll take the time to read it, and meditate on it and make it real to you. See, this is a problem with, with a lot of what we do. We don't focus on it long enough to make it real to us. It sounds familiar to your ears. Once you hear it, you, oh yeah, I know that. And your brain shuts off from any revelation from it. So you've got to do more than hear it as a familiar scripture in your ear. You've got to take it in so that you, you, it becomes a part of you. Psalm 91 should pop up in you all the time when it talks about any disease. Now I don't get it. It don't come near my dwelling. When you shut the door, it stays outside. It don't follow you in there. Amen. 
and it won't cling to you while you're out in, in you know, all this mask thing and running here and there and hiding from people. I'm looking to people. I'm saying to myself, oh, Lord, if something ain't right here, these people are too fearful. There's there's a whole lot of fear being promoted, being received, and being propagated. And we as believers got to stay free from fear. God didn't give you that spirit. You don't live by fear. You live by faith. Amen. God, you're not going to let me die. (laughs) Huh? Your word says that. You say, I ain't going to die. I'm going to live and declare your works. Who's going to praise you if I die? Who's going to pray for the sick if I die? Amen. That's what Hezekiah told him. Who's going to do that for you? Where's my replacement? No, don't show it to me, but, you know, I want to stay around for a while long. Huh? So you make your case before God. And God, I believe you. You don't lie. Psalm 91 says this plague will not come near my dwelling. That means my neighbors too. I can have a plague-free street. Amen? It won't come down this street. Amen? And just begin to decree those things. Take these these scriptures seriously. Take them to heart. He said, diligently listen. That means listen like you like it's your job. Like you want to get something out of it. You know, I've said that to God more than once. God, I'm getting this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quit until I get this. Amen. And make it your business to get these things. Don't be superficial all your life. Amen. Stay, take a day sometime and turn everything off except the word. You know, put some, put some YouTube on and let it play over and over again. And when you, when, and put the bed, the, the Bible beside you on the bed. And when you get sick of YouTube, put your eyes on your word. Amen. And, and do it for as many days as you need to until you, you feel that things lifted off of you. Amen. Learn how to ingest the word. It, you gotta have more than just a reading here and there. And a superficial understanding. You gotta have it inside of you. You gotta get it in you. And that's all you believe. Amen. So when you get to the place where that's all you believe, that's all you'll get is, is the results of the word of God. And, and it's worth the effort. It'll pay off. This is the one thing you can do that will pay off. Amen. So, so Jesus took our place in disease. Amen. He took it upon himself. Isaiah 53. In verse four, he says, surely he has borne our pains, says griefs, carried our sorrows, the things that cause us to be sorrowful or the things that cause us regret or the things that cause us upset that put us. He took those things away. He took them already. So you can go through life. That mean I can go through life without ever being upset. That's what it says here. If you believe he took them. Amen. Now we all have our moments. Sometimes, you know, you get to thinking about things. Things get on your mind. Amen. But you don't have to make that choice. You can let that stuff go. 
Amen? And pick up your, your joy. Pick up your gladness. Pick up your peace of mind again. Let that, let that be your goal. It's God, I'm going to keep peace of mind at all times. Amen? He's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We thought he earned what was happening to him. That's what this scripture says. It says, but he was wounded for us, for what we did wrong. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace. In other words, God wants you to have peace even though you need to be healed in your body. You got me? He wants you to have peace about it because you're healed already. Amen? It may not have totally manifested yet, but he sees you healed because it's paid for. Once it's paid for, it can be taken back. Now, you can let the devil steal it through unbelief or through doubt, but it, it's a done deal as far as God's concerned. He's waiting for you to believe him so that it can continue to manifest in your body. Once you start to minister the word to your body, it starts to kill disease. Now, you may not see it yet, but you got to by faith believe it's working. You got to believe that that God is honoring his word. God, I thank you that healing is working in me right now. I thank you, Lord. None of the, I don't have disease. I give that back to the devil. I receive my health. I receive my wholeness. I receive what you have for me. And that's all I'm getting. Amen. And, and believe that he is working it out for your good. He is working on you. That you are more healed today than you were yesterday because you believe it's already done. Amen. So you believe you receive it when you pray. That's how the faith of God works. We've got to work with his, his rules. He just said that in Exodus. He made it a statute and an ordinance. If you hearken to the word and believe it, amen, that's what that really means, is that you've got to believe the word, listen to it, and obey it. If you obey it, it's because you believe it, amen? So that let that word move through you. Let it move you to do the things that you need to do, amen? People seem to think somehow that they're healed because they don't take pills or they don't do this or that that means nothing. Amen. I've seen people throw away pills that can make them feel better, thinking that means they're healed. You, there's no shortcut to healing. You gotta pay the price for this. You gotta pay the price in, in obeying the word, listening to the word, keeping your heart pure before God. There's no shortcuts here. You gotta pay the price. You gotta listen to the word. Those of us who claim we love God so much, it shouldn't, you should want to stay in the word all day long. You know what I'm saying? That should be your second home. And so we we can't, um, you shouldn't want to shortcut things. I mean, Jesus, suppose he has shortcut it. <laughs> We'd be facing some trouble. Amen. So what's good for him is good for us. The servant's not above the master. We got to do what he did. And so it says um, it, that by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. We're healed now because he bore stripes 2,000 years ago. In fact, he gave his word that he would be slain from the foundation of the earth. Amen. It was, it was known that man would fall. It was known that man would see, sin. 
So Jesus volunteered to pay the price to get us back to God. Amen. So he gave his word from the foundation of the earth and he acted it out at Calvary. It had to be done. It it couldn't just be we take healing because he spoke it. He had to pay the price too because there was a law broken and that broken law had to be paid. That had to be paid for. So it, after Calvary, that did away with the Old Testament law and a new covenant comes in force, a covenant that we can work by faith, by believing. Amen. Not by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith and, and living by faith. So living by faith means that you've got to feed your faith. You've got to keep your faith strong. You have to keep your faith engaged at all times. God wants to see your faith every day. He wants to see what you're doing uh, with his word that he gives you. He wants to see that all the time. He doesn't want you to take a time out and go complaining. Amen. He wants you to stay in faith. Because you'll never know what that's like if you don't give it a try. You know, people will will fall back on, well, everybody does it and God understands. No, he don't understand gibberish. He understands faith. Amen. So he'll, he'll forgive you for falling off the wagon. Amen. But he wants you to believe him. You know, man fell because of unbelief. Adam and Eve quit believing God and believe the devil. Faith brought us back in the covenant with God. So we got to keep faith up. We can't keep living in unbelief and keep living in doubt and think it's okay with God. Amen. You, it's, it's just not okay. You're not going to get where you need to go. Now, God's not going to beat you up about it, but you're, you can't expect the results that only faith will bring if you don't express your faith to God. If you don't do things to keep your faith strong, it's not that hard. Amen. It's it's just taking some time out of your day to acknowledge God, to worship him. Study his word. Find you a good scripture and say, God, I want to know everything there is to know about this one scripture right here. Amen. And allow him to begin to expand that to you. Amen. In Matthew eight seventeen, it says he himself bore our sicknesses. And carried our sorrows. So when Jesus walked the earth, he took sickness away from people. Because he owns healing. He established that he's the healer. Amen. Nobody else but him. Nobody has that power to take sickness away and bring health except Jesus. Amen. So Matthew 8, I'm going to turn there because I marked it here. In verse 14, and when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. He touched her hand. The fever left her. She arose and ministered to them. And when evening was come, they brought to him many that were possessed of devils. He cast out the spirits with his word, healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took 
our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. So this was pre-Calvary and he was operating in the benefits of the covenant because people came to him by faith. Amen. And he owned healing, which means that he had to minister it to people because that was part of his mission was to take sickness and take disease. Now that he's paid the price for all humanity, now that that he has been to the cross and established his dominance and his his name is exalted above every name, we can receive healing just by believing. Amen. You don't have to go to God and say, God, would you please heal me? You go to God and say, God, I thank you that I'm healed. Because Calvary is a complete and a total work. I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that I'm prosperous. I thank you my bills are paid. But you got to make sure you believe it. Amen. And I receive my healing in my body right now. Because it's been done already. It's been paid for already. Amen. It's not up to God to decide to heal us. He's healed us already. He took disease from us, which means we don't have disease anymore. Amen. So when you go to the doctor and they say, well, you have high blood pressure, you don't talk to him. You just tell the high blood pressure. No, you don't. I don't receive you. I'm healed. Amen. It's because you're not waiting for anything to happen to heal you. God's waiting for you to accept what he's already done. Amen. He took it on himself. It doesn't exist for believers. It's there's no sickness in this covenant, folks. When you live in covenant with God, you live sickness free. There's no poverty in here. You're only broke because you let the devil steal your money from you. Well, you can believe it if you want to, but I do. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, I run out of money. You shouldn't. You don't have to. Hmm? You don't. Take what you what you have and put it in the hands of a person that really knows God and see what they do with it. Huh? They squander less. They ask God to increase. They ask God to direct their spending. They ask God to, you understand what I'm saying? That's covenant. Where you walk hand in hand with God in the realm of your finances. Amen? Uh it's not impossible to do. See, we live in a, a make-believe world. This world down here, this earth, is make-believe. See, we have people who believe that they can run into Starbucks and then go into Panera and do all of this all day long and still have enough money to live off of. Boy, it's quiet. Everybody exhale. Say, huh? Because that's a fantasy. You can't live like that and still have money. And then you look back and you see, boy, I wish I had a done. Yeah, right. And you're still not doing it because you squander too much. Some people need to just run out of money and then have to start all over again and see what God directs you to do with it. Let God direct your finances. We don't want to do that. We want him to do everything but tell us how to spend our money. <laughs> and that should be the first thing you want to do. You'd have fewer emergencies. 
you didn't have money to do some of the things that your heart is telling you to do for God. Ooh, it's quiet. Good grief. Well, maybe I'll stay here for a while. I preach to myself. Huh? I will. I'll preach to myself. Amen. I'm very thankful my husband didn't let us, let me spend everything he made. Amen. He, he had enough sense to, to save. He was saving for us in his retirement, but unfortunately he didn't live that long. So God allowed me to be able to inherit it so that I could keep preaching and not have to go work a job and leave ministry. You understand what I'm saying? God's real smart, folks. And we were never, we ate what we wanted. We had vacations if we wanted. God took care of us. You understand what I'm saying? So there's a difference between being cared for and being wasteful. Amen. And so you need to know the difference. And you need to learn how to live in that realm where God can honor the way you spend your money. Amen. Quit throwing it away so easily. Amen. <clears throat> so in Matthew eight seventeen, he himself took our infirmities. He took all sickness to the cross. That was the final disposition of sickness, sin, and all the ravages of sin. He took sickness upon himself because he, he fulfilled the, the role of the scapegoat as well as the sacrifice. See, many times we look at Jesus in his death as a sacrifice, but also in that sacrifice, in that atonement, was a scapegoat that took on himself certain things that we need to have removed from our lives so we can live a blessed life. So in Leviticus chapter 16, if you'll turn there, You'll see the twofold atonement um, uh, that that God provided first in the old covenant, and then in the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth in Jesus Christ. So, in Leviticus chapter sixteen, starting in verse eight, seven. It says, um, uh, verse 6, Aaron shall offer this bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, make an atonement for himself and his house. So the priest had to make to shed blood for himself first, then for the people. And he shall take two goats, present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron will cast lots upon the two goats, one for the Lord, that is to be slain, the other one for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat which is the which is the Lord's and offer him for a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. Now in verse 21, 20 it says, And he made... An end of reconciling the holy place. I'm sorry, verse 21. Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him 
all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness and the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto the land not inhabited. And he shall go to let the goat go into the wilderness. So this scapegoat had a different function from the goat that was slain for the sin. The sin, the blood was needed. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. The blood had to be shed so that sin could be forgiven. But you need more. This pleased God. So the blood shed was to please God that your sin was paid for. But you need more than payment. You need to know that you, your mind has to be settled that it's free from the guilt, the fear, the condemnation, all the negative effects of sin on your soul has to be taken away from you. So the scapegoat took the blame aspect of your sin. So this part was for us. The scapegoat is for us. The sacrifice goat is for God. So when Jesus went into the holy place, the Bible says not without blood. He took his own blood into the holy place in the heavenlies to please the Father. He himself on the cross took sin on his soul in our place. The Bible says, God said, when he shall make his soul an offering for sin. So a soul has to be sacrificed and put in agony to take that away from us. See, when you feel bad about stuff you did in the past, you don't have to. You confess that to God and the blood satisfies God. But then you've got to know you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. See, that's what the scapegoat does. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to sit up and make excuses for your bad attitude. Oh, the reason I have this is because so-and-so, and I went through trauma. You stop that because the scapegoat took that blame for you. You were, Why are you trying to blame something else when he took it already? See, we've got to give up these excuses. We've got to give up leaning on this natural stuff and trying to understand why. Why do I do this? Why you don't do anything. You're free from it. The scapegoat took it from you. See, when we blame, we're looking for a scapegoat. He's been provided already. All you got to do is confess it and you say, God, you took this from me. I don't have to make excuses for this. I don't have to tell people why I do this stuff. I don't have to because I don't own it anymore. See, when you're looking for excuses, it's because you still own the responsibility for your sin. And I'm telling you, that was taken already. Jesus took responsibility. The Bible says he was uh, he was wounded for our iniquities. Iniquity is your responsibility for it. See, is why you did it. I did it because I didn't know any better. I did, and we go through life continuing to explain our bad behavior when He took it away from us already. If we'll recognize that it's gone and let it go, quit picking that up and making excuses for yourself. 
quit owning your your sin and the responsibility for it. Let the scapegoat have it. Amen? That's why we blame other people. You don't need to blame other people for what's wrong with you. Huh? Go to the cross and get it made right. God, you took this away from me so I don't have to make excuses. I don't have to have blame. I don't have to blame my parents for what they didn't do or my family history. This runs in my family. The scapegoat took runs in your family. He took all of that. God made his soul an offering for sin. Amen. His soul took the place of your soul. So you can have a clean conscience now. And you can serve God without wondering if you're going to do a good job or a bad job. You can serve God without thinking, I might mess this up. You can serve God without thinking, oh wow, I, I don't know if I can do this or not because I, I, I've done wrong in my past and I used to do this wrong and I do that wrong and I'm not sure God wants me to do that. Cut that out. The escape, you don't have a past that's going to trip you up in this life to, to serve God. The Bible says that, that we can serve Him without fear. Amen. In confidence and boldness. Amen. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. That, that doesn't mean you gotta bust your way in. That means there's nothing hanging over your head to make you feel unworthy of to be in God's presence. So all that's been taken care of. The scapegoat took what your bad conscience. That's what that's for. For the thoughts that you have of inadequacy, insecurity, and guilt. Because of what you did, you know wasn't right. See, you need a scapegoat. I need one. We all need one. That is a necessary function. Because if you don't have that, you're going to stumble over stumbling blocks from your past. And you're going to keep trying to explain yourself to people over and over and over again. You know, sometimes people, when you don't offer an explanation, people think there's something wrong with you. Huh? Because it's so common. If you don't offer an explanation that you think you better than somebody. No, I'm just not picking up something Jesus took already. I'm not going to live like that. He paid too, he went through too much agony. I appreciate what he did for me. So I'm going to live in the blessing of the covenant I have with him. I'm not going to live in, I don't get any brownie points for feeling bad about, you know, doing stuff in the past. You can if you want to, but I don't have time for that. I'm too busy trying to live in the now and the future and and go forward in righteousness that God's provided for me. See, righteousness propels you forward confidently that God is with you. Amen? That's what you want. You want that life. You don't want this, I I did so-and-so and I did such-and-such. No, I didn't because that person died. I reckon her dead. Amen. And I'm alive to righteousness now. I don't have time for that. So the scapegoat took the blame. It was transferred onto his soul so that your soul could be free. You could have a free conscience. You can have a free, uh, a free, uh, uh, heart. You can freely obey God. You don't have to feel like you gotta make excuses for yourself all the time. Stop that. You, you're, when you're sinless, you don't need excuses. 
So you got to believe in your righteousness. You can't believe in in both of them at the same time. That there's nothing humble about that. It's just ridiculous. And it's a slap in the face to a God that suffered so much so that we can have the freedom. Amen. So Jesus took the blame and it pleased the father to bruise him. Amen. He made his soul an offering for sin. He did. And so God was able to to establish Jesus as the highest power in the universe because of what he suffered. Amen. He proved himself to be faithful to his own word, even unto the death of the cross. Amen. And so he, he paid it all and we need to, to receive it all. You know, people will, will lament things that they did wrong, their sins. Oh, I was a smoker for all those years and I damaged my health and, you know, I have this now and I have that now. Well, what are you going to do about what Jesus did? You know, did he do anything for you? Amen. You don't have to, nothing's going to get you now. Amen. The door has been closed to that because the scapegoat took it. You should have no concern about anything that you did as a sinner or anything you did wrong as a believer. As long as you confess it to God and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that our conscience has been purged from dead works so that we can serve the living God. There's no dead works in your mind anymore. You live in the mind of Christ. So God, his blood purged that, cleansed it 100% clean. So you have a 100% clean conscience. If you'll let it go. Now you can sit there and nurse all this stuff if you want to. But my advice to you is let it go. Because the devil will ensnare you with that. He'll he'll get you to where you really start believing. That you're not forgiven. That you make too many mistakes. God really can't use you. You understand what I'm saying? All the stuff he tells us. Amen. And we've all sinned. And come short of the glory of God. We've all had had bad living amen (laughs) all of the stuff that that we think you know in in the medical community doesn't help us because these are the warning signs and this is you know this leads to that and if you do this you'll get that disease and if you do this you get well they try to hang it back on us again when god has delivered it us from it amen so none of that stuff is connected you know, you can let disease go, uh, even if you haven't corrected all the natural things you need to do. You know, people say, well, if you're obese, you're supposed to have this. And no, you're not. You're blood bought. So you're going to believe fat on your body is stronger than the blood of Jesus. It's not. Amen. But you've got to, I mean, you know, you confess it to God. God help me not to eat so much. You know, we do that and we do the best we can. But he's not going to drop the hammer on you because you ate an extra cookie or something like that. And you know you shouldn't have if you want to lose weight. Do you understand what I'm saying? He has mercy. The world has none. So the world will hang a diagnosis on you. Amen. And they'll want to, they look at you and you go into a doctor's office and they size you up with a tape measure. 
and they know what to tell you you got before you they even take your take any vital signs on you. They sign you up for everything right there on the spot. And so you got to learn how to lean on God's mercy. God, I know I shouldn't be overweight right now and I shouldn't be smoking right now or whatever you're doing. Amen? Acknowledge it and repent. And he'll help you. Let him help you. He's your helper for a reason because we need help. If you didn't need his help, you wouldn't be fat. You know what I'm saying? Like I tell myself, I need his help. You got me? So, and, and just lean on his mercy. Thank you, Lord, for giving me mercy until I get this weight off, but get this blood pressure of mine down too while we at it. I'm not going to sit up here and, and suffer with that because I think I deserve it. You don't deserve it. Jesus already proved that. So let's get out of this worldly thinking about stuff and, and all of that and get out of fear and start living by faith. So the scapegoat carried the burden of sin away from us. And the burden is always on your soul. You don't feel good about yourself. You feel insecure, inadequate. He took it away. Israel was a healthy nation as long as this law was kept. And the sick were taken to the priest and and they made atonement for their sins. And then once a year, they had a national day of atonement where everybody walked away healed. Amen. And everybody walked away prosperous. They would make offering and sacrifice all day and all night and send portions to everybody's house. Everybody had a day of jubilee because their sin was lifted. They began to praise and worship God. Everybody was healthy. Everybody was set right with God again. And it was done to keep sin out of God's people. Amen. And it, it, God made sure they had a day a year where everybody's sin was forgiven. So if you were sloppy on going to the priest during the year, you could, on the day of atonement, you got right. Amen. So that day, everybody got right with God. We have a continual atonement now because we can go to God at any time and get forgiven. Amen. In fact, you can turn away from sin in your heart and say, God, I thank you. My sins are forgiven. Please get me to the point where I can get above this. Help me to live for you. Help me to obey you and do what I'm supposed to do. Don't hide from God. Run to him. Let him help you. He's there to help you. The Holy Spirit is your helper and your comforter and your guide. So, so God made sure that, that the nation of Israel knew that they needed to please him with the blood and the sacrifice and they needed to get themselves right in their souls with the scapegoat. And when people saw that goat run off into the wilderness, you can imagine the sigh of relief that was breathed because they never saw that that goat again. Amen. He went way out into the wilderness signifying that God sent our sin away to a place where we can't find it. So why do we pick it up and want to think about it? You know, you get yourself on a day where, you know, not much is happening. Your mind starts wandering. And then you start thinking about stuff you used to do or stuff you did that was wrong and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to do that. Amen. In fact, I can tell you that it doesn't have the effect on you 
that it used to have. Because after a minute you said, now why am I thinking about that? God, my sins are forgiven. Amen. God, I'm not supposed to be reminiscing, looking, digging up under old things, trying to find something wrong with myself. Let me stop that. Amen. And start to do what Paul said. Think on things that are good and pure and lovely, praiseworthy and thankworthy of good report. And let God's peace rest upon you. Amen. You don't have to plot. Uh, you know, and, and, and try to make yourself feel bad or, or anything like that. Let the devil do his work. You do God's work. Cause trust me, the devil's gonna come with something to make you feel bad if he can. So you stay with where God has you and thinking on the things that are of good report. Amen. Think about the things that you're gonna do for God. God, show me. How to do this, how to do that. What what do I do with my free time, Lord? Uh, show me how to be more effective for you in the workplace. Show me how to be effective for you everywhere I go, Lord. Let's just show me to do these things and stay on that road. And and you won't have time to sit up and beat yourself up and and, and feel bad and want to blame. Here we go, blaming the family again, blaming the parents, blaming your ancestry, blaming this, blaming that. You have a scapegoat in Jesus. You don't need a natural scapegoat. You don't need people to put blame on. Amen. You just need to, to live for God. So Jesus' soul was made a ransom for sin. Amen. His, the iniquity was laid on him and, and, and that was taken down into hell. When he went into the lower parts of the earth, the Bible says he lay cap- led captivity captive. In other words, that that had captured us, he captured it and put it under his feet. And that's how we can have all sin under our feet and the devil's work under our feet. We don't have to live with it face to face and him talking to us and telling us we're not this and we're not that. We can't do this and we can't do that. He's under our feet and and keep your foot on his neck and choke him so he can't talk to you. Amen. And don't listen to the, the lies of the enemy. Amen. So. Jesus combined the two, two offerings into one. The sin offering and the, the scapegoat offering were combined into one when he took sin upon himself. So he is our scapegoat. He takes the blame for everything. Amen. And he's able to carry it. We're not able to carry it. That's why he took it for us. Amen. So our sins, we don't have to blame our sins on ourselves or anybody else or one another anymore. Amen. You know, it's like if, if you have an argument with somebody and you don't get along with them. Well, they did so and so. Don't do that. Jesus, I thank you that you took the blame. And I'm asking you to forgive me for my part. And I want reconciliation with that person. Amen. Don't leave it at, well, I'm forgiven. You gotta go farther than that. Amen. You, you want to have relationships mended so that you can let God show you that what His blood does to mend relationships. Amen. And even if you, you're not speaking right now, be open to it sometime in the future. Amen. Amended relationship is what he wants us to be a family. He doesn't want us to be estranged. Amen. And acting odd around each other and distant. He doesn't want that. He wants us to love. Love is not distant. 
Amen. Let you, when you love somebody, you love them. You know the difference. And you know when you're right on the inside. Amen. You know, I, I see people with their stupid Facebook posts. They need to quit putting stuff on there. It sounds so stupid. Just because you've forgiven somebody, you don't have to have them back in your life. Why not? What are you scared of? See, that's that's a, a fake power play. When we can push people out, we think that means we're powerful and you're weak. If you don't want to reconcile with people, you're weak. That's no power. Sinners keep people at an at arm's length. God wants us to embrace people. Amen. He really does. Amen. So Jesus took all of that on himself. Amen. Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And we don't have to blame sin on one another anymore. You don't need somebody to take the blame for your bad behavior. You can own it and take it to the cross and let Jesus have it. Amen. You only own it long enough to take it to where he is and confess it and let him have it. And so uh, Jesus took sin and sickness on us. So, so here's an example we have of Jesus healing somebody and showing us that that we're not sick because we sinned because he took sin away. See, you can't, you can't live in a state that doesn't exist. Amen. You, you, the state of sickness dominating over your life and sin dominating your life is over. See, that's over because of Calvary. Sin has no power anymore because of the blood. Amen. It's just a, and people will sit up and say, well, I can't stop doing this. Yes, you can. The minute you change your confession and line it up with God's word, you can't stop doing it without his help. But if you go to him, he'll help you. He'll deliver you out of the power of it and you will know that you're delivered. To a lot of people are waiting on something to deliver them. You're delivered already. You just have to believe it. You gotta stay in the word long enough to get the power in you to resist the devil in that area. Now I've seen people go to church and sleep around for years and keep going back to church trying to make it right. Well, until you hit the altar and go back to the cross, it's not gonna be right. It's gonna always be wrong. But you gotta let God into that, that place So that he can show you what he's done. See, a lot of times we think we're reading the word and knowing what's going on. God has to show us what he's done. He has to show us the reality of it. He has to put us in that place where we know that we know that we know that we're free. And see, some of us don't know how to linger with the Lord until we're reassured. Of what we have, reassured of our freedom. So in, in John chapter 9, start in verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, Neither. 
neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And this is the truth now. It's not about blaming your sickness on somebody. See, right here, Jesus proves that he's the scapegoat. Amen. He's taking the blame. The disciples are looking for somebody to blame for this. And Jesus said, that don't matter. I'm here as a scapegoat right now to take the blame and manifest the works of God. So anytime a believer is sick, it's not because somebody sinned. You're sick to manifest the works of God because we've moved beyond sin into atonement. So if you accept the work of the cross, you don't go backward and try to figure out why this happened to you. You go forward and let God manifest his glory in your body. Because that's the only thing that's going to happen right now because sin's been taken care of. And that's what Jesus was telling him. I'm not looking for who sinned. I'm not going backwards. I'm looking to manifest the glory of God in this man. So who sinned is not an issue. Jesus never talks about things that aren't important. If he skips over that part of the conversation, it's because it's not important. And he's trying to get his disciples on the same page with him. Come on up here with me. That ain't important. I've given you power and authority over it no matter where it came from. It all came from the devil. And we have power over his works. So a person's sin is not an issue unless they insist on holding on to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're talking about confess sin right here. Amen? Not not something you did and you don't want to let go of. You won't get saved if you like sin. If you want to sleep around or you want to do whatever you want to do, you're, you're not going to live in the freedom that the blood is purchased for you if you want to cling to it. But the minute you confess it, that means you let go of it. Amen? And God can take it away from you. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He says, this sin has been dealt with already because I'm here now to manifest the works of God. So let's talk about what's important. What's more important, how to get your healing or how to try to find out how you got sick? You go to doctors, that's what they want. They want to find out a family history because that's the the realm they live in. That's the only thing they have is trying to figure out where it came from. And even that, that's not giving you a cure. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just makes them feel better. And so what we need to do is focus on what's relevant. What's relevant in our situation always is what Jesus did to alleviate our suffering and to get us in health and to keep us there. Amen. Amen. Father, why don't we quit? We thank you, Lord, for what you have done and given us your word, giving us revelation on your word, telling us what's important. What's important is what you did and what you did to to help our suffering. You came to alleviate the suffering of humanity and you have done that. And what we need to do is endeavor to continue to believe it and believe it with all of our hearts that has been dealt with and taken care of. So we honor you, Lord. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and praise God. We'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. I thank you, Lord, that by your stripes we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God.